Welcome to Buy My Own Lights podcast. My name is Rachel, and I am the creator and host of this ultimate vulnerability project. I know it's cliche to say, but I truly am so glad you're here. This podcast started as a place to reflect on the light and adversity throughout my life. I believe that the world needs all kinds of kinds, and we should live a life according to our own lights with a heavy emphasis on light. I want more light in the world, and sometimes when life happens, it's hard to see the light in it. But if you look, you will find it. Welcome back to season two of By My Own Lights podcast. I am so excited to be recording again and sharing my thoughts with people that probably don't actually care, but this is entertaining for you. So thanks for sticking around. I absolutely appreciate it. A lot has happened in the last several months that I took a break from the podcast Uh, Primarily, you know, summertime with young kids being home does not make for good background noise with a podcast. So I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to take the break, use the time to be present with my family. Now they're back in school and almost settled. So I'm back to recording, hopefully on a regular basis. I'm really excited to talk about some of the things that have changed in my world and share some of the perspectives that have come from it. One of which is I was previously working as a learning and development specialist. Basically, I was a trainer um, for a government agency, and I love training, love training. One of my favorite things about just the industry itself is I get to be around people that are already talented, already skilled, already know what to do, but they haven't discovered it in themselves yet. And so I was naturally drawn to training. A couple reasons. One, obviously, I have no problem speaking in front of people or sharing my voice. I, you know, narcissistic in that sense that I do like to talk as much as possible. But It's something really magical when you're working with other people and you help provide information that shakes up something inside them that motivates them and inspires them to go do something slightly different that they already know how, they just haven't discovered it yet. And so I love the training industry. Love it. Well, the last job I was at, I wasn't doing a lot of the training that I love. I wasn't interacting with the people that were going to leave the classroom inspired. And that was a really hard thing. I ended up working, doing a specific training that was really restrictive on what we can do. It's a long training. I mean, the participants I would have in this class They are with me for three weeks, and it's spread over three months. So I would have them for one solid week in a row. We'd have a couple weeks off, and they'd come back, and they would be with me for another week, take a break, come back for one final week. And it's a lot of training. It's a lot of information that they would learn. It's all stuff they have to know by law to do their specific job in the government. And so it's a lot to handle. 
And then you throw in COVID and there's still a lot of people that are working from home. And so we can't do our trainings live in a classroom, which as an extrovert is where I thrive. Instead, we all gather on Zoom and the majority of people don't have cameras on. So I'm not even reading if they're paying attention or anything. It's just me talking. Hopefully they're listening. I was still able to bond with some of the participants and make connections, and and that felt really great, but it was limiting on what I actually enjoyed about training, especially in a virtual environment. Let's just say it's not my favorite at all. I'm not saying I want to go back to the office full time, but I'm just saying I don't necessarily enjoy the virtual environment as much. Um, I do love that I get to wear pajamas when I'm training now because nobody can see my my Zoom mullet going on, you know, business up top, jammies on the bottom. So even though I was still doing training, which I love, um, I wasn't doing the kind of training that I loved. And I worked for an organization that the culture just wasn't there. It wasn't there at all. From the very top It was really political. It was really all about, I make the rules, so follow them. A lot of the employees didn't feel heard. And it's crazy because I worked on a team with incredible people that have such great talent and at one point were extremely passionate about what they do. And nobody was performing at their peak. Barely was anybody performing at their average. And primarily, it's because they're so unhappy, they're so tired of being unheard, unnoticed, unseen, that they became disgruntled. You know, I wasn't with the organization long enough. It was probably about 10 months I was there, and I just said, this environment is not going to be where I thrive. Not to knock the organization or the people that lead it. It's just what happens when nobody is focused on the same vision and the same goal. So I was really fortunate. I found a promotional opportunity with a different department, and they hired me. I got this job for another organization, and as soon as I started, day one, the first thing they talked about was culture and how important it is for them. And it's crazy because you see it. It's in their blood. They just talk about it all the time. And what I learned when I was getting to know people at the organization is a lot of people there have been with that specific department for years. And I'm not talking like three years, four years, though there are some of those. A lot of these people have been there for 20 years, 30 years. They've seen changes. They've seen the culture shift from one thing to another to another. And they're still there and they're still pushing through and they're still excited and motivated about the work that they do. Almost immediately with the new department that I started working, I realized that it's so important to foster a positive culture. It's not something that's going to create itself at all. It takes a lot of work. You have to focus on what you want to create and have everybody else want to create the same thing too. It's not just enough to hire intelligent people. It's not just enough to hire really positive people. It's not enough to hire people that are that want to make a change. 
because it actually has to be everybody wanting to make the same change and focus on the same exact thing. Building a positive culture does take a lot of work. But then the irony with a positive culture, how it doesn't create itself, is that a poor culture will create itself. You don't have to do anything, and it will just crumble and fall in front of you. We all know that everything worth having takes work, and so having a positive culture is going to take work. And then we all know that anything neglected is going to deteriorate. It's just what happens. Look at me. I have been basically on lockdown for the last two years, and I got to tell you, my muscles are squishy. I don't walk. I don't exercise. I don't do anything. Full deterioration there. As much as I I love talking about culture, that's actually not why I brought this up today. One of the things that I really wanted to talk about was the fact that I have some serious insecurities. And I never realized that. Honestly, it was just recently that it dawned on me how insecure I was. Like, yeah, we have like insecurities, normal. It's an everyday thing. People feel it. But I've always been a relatively confident person. And it's primarily because I put myself in situations that I know I can win or I can dominate. And I didn't think that that was a sign of insecurity. I thought that was a sign of, okay, I'm smart. This is self-awareness. I'm going to keep putting myself in positions where I know I will succeed because I can kill it and that makes me feel good. Well, this job that I took, I'm not sure why they hired me. And that is what I felt the whole time. I saw the job posting and the way the description was written of what I would be doing. I was like, this sounds magical. It sounds like a unicorn position that is designed for me. My title is an ideation specialist. And I was like, I ideate all the time. This is this is my jam. This is up my alley. I know how to think and come up with ideas. Totally great. Well, I filled out the application. I wrote a statement of qualifications about why I am the perfect candidate based on my skills, my experience, everything I know. And then I submitted the application. I felt really good. And then five minutes later, I was like, why did I do that? I feel like I just made everything up. Though I didn't, I didn't believe what I wrote about myself. Even though there was factual stuff in there, I just did not believe it. And it was so weird. And so time went by and I felt kind of nervous, like, oh, they're not going to call me. It's fine. It's no big deal. There's other opportunities out there. Well, they called me and I was so excited. And I was like, oh my gosh, I get to interview for this unicorn job. This is amazing. So I end up having a phone interview, which again, as an extrovert, like, okay, just shoot me now. I'm really going to thrive on being in front of you in person. You know, if we can't do it, fine, let's do Zoom so you can see me. I can see you. That's when I'm going to do my best interview. No, it was a phone interview. And so I don't know what the people on the other end look like. I don't know the faces that they're making. The good news is I didn't have to get dressed. I didn't have to put myself together. But that also affects how you feel and how you respond in the interview. When you are in your pajamas, you're like, I feel pretty casual. I'm going to respond pretty casual right now. 
And so I did. So the interview goes on and my potential manager and and their manager are telling me all these things about the job. And the next thing I discover is it is tech heavy. It's innovation. It's insure tech in all these things. And they're sprouting off things that I have no idea what they mean. They're talking about robotic process automation, artificial intelligence, something called data robot, like all this stuff. I have no idea what it is. And they're speaking a completely different language. I end up going through the interview and answering the questions to the best of my ability. And I hang up. And I was like, well, goodbye to that opportunity. We'll see you in another life. And I just felt pretty crappy about myself. You know, it was weird because I was proud of how quickly I could respond to the questions. I was proud with the answers that I came up with based on they're true to me. They're true to my skills. However, I don't know if I answered them the way they wanted me to. Everything I was responding wasn't tech related. I have no tech experience. I am not the candidate for them. They ended up calling me back and saying, we'd like to do a second interview with you and the team. And I was like, oh, I made it to the next round. So by this point, I'm thinking my potential manager and her manager, they must really like day drinking because they must have been inebriated when they spoke to me and decided they want to invite me back for a second round. But I said, all right, let's do it. Let's just ride this wave for as long as it takes me. And I go to the next interview. And this is Zoom. I finally get to see people and I'm so excited and I'm wearing my mullet. We're talking and I ask the team a question is like, really, what do you think you need in in a teammate? What is going to make that teammate the most successful being a part of this group? And one of them starts going, you really have to love tech. You really have to love tech. As soon as they said that, every emotion just like left my body. My face went white and I was like, I don't love tech. I don't know tech. We have not been acquainted. Um, I know basic stuff and I know enough to figure out how to create a podcast and put that out there for people. Um, I know enough how to scroll Instagram and Facebook all day, every day. And I know enough how to make mediocre TikTok videos. But that is the extent of my tech knowledge. I kind of panicked when I left the interview, the second interview, being like, man, these people are really smart and I'm not in the competition with them. And then shortly after that, I got a call and they were offering me the job. I was obviously extremely excited, but then instantly confused and scared out of my mind. I feel like I just lied to these people. I said something that made them think that I am the perfect candidate for this job. And everything I've learned about this job has told me I'm not your candidate. I don't know how I duped them into hiring me. So I felt really nervous because I was going to leave a job where I knew everything about. I knew how to do training. I knew how to like woo people. That was my strength. I've got it in the bag. I feel confident. But the environment was so debilitating. It was making me be a lesser version of myself. And I didn't want to be a part of that anymore. 
And so here I have this opportunity to take this job. It's a pay increase. It's a title increase. And it's for a really great department. And I was questioning my ability. Do I take the job? Because at some point, they're going to realize I'm an imposter. At some point, they're going to realize that everything that they thought that I was based off what I said is a lie. I never told them I was the queen of technology. I never told them I'm super innovative. I told them I was creative. I told them I really like people and I like being able to make people's lives better. I like to inspire others. I like to be a part of a team. I also like to be a leader. I like to do all these things, none of which said anything about technology. They hire me into this position where my job is to recommend innovative technology to improve our department. Like, whoa, this isn't going to work. But out of desperation, I accepted the position. You can't turn down extra money. And I started panicking and thinking, how am I going to survive this? And it was really interesting because I heard Adam Grant describe insecurity as not a lack of confidence. It's just unstable confidence. That struck a chord with me. It was the light went off and was like, yeah, because I am confident. I'm confident in the things that I know I can do well. I'm confident that I will try new things. I'm confident in my ability, in my mindset, but it is fragile confidence. One thing can shake my world and I will just be beat down. I will be broken. I will be scared and I will run. Accepting this position really made me realize how insecure I am. And at one point in my first few weeks, I had a one-on-one with my manager I was talking about the rest of the team as I've gotten to interact with them and engage with them. And these people are brilliant. They are brilliant. Most of them college graduates, some of them even working on master's degrees. Some of them have been in the tech industry for years. They're speaking the language that I am literally writing on post-it notes. Be sure to Google this because I don't know what it means. I have sticky notes everywhere of things I need to look up just to understand what people are saying. I was telling her how team that they hired is incredible. They are brilliant people. They work really hard and they work really well together. They genuinely care about each other. And I told her, I said, I'm still trying to figure out how I fit into this world because here I am, a high school dropout. I have very limited experience in this specific industry. I know nothing about insurance, which is the department that I work for. It's not just insurance. It's workers' compensation insurance. I know nothing about that. And then I'm supposed to provide tech solutions for workers' compensation insurance company. Let's be real. This is not going to work. I honestly don't remember exactly what my manager responded with when she said why she hired me. Because I think I was just so insecure in the moment that there's I didn't want to hear what she said. I didn't want to hear, well, we think there's potential. Or I also didn't want her to say that they hired me for some way they interpreted something that I said that wasn't actually true or anything like that. I just, I was so scared. So I blanked it out entirely. And then I've spent the last several weeks 
couple months now interacting with the team and hearing about the struggles and the challenges of what they've been going through, what they face, learning more about how we get to the tech solutions for the recommendations for the organization and realized, oh, that's why I was hired. That's where I fit in. I'm the people piece. I am really good at focusing on human-centered solutions and really building bonds and relationships with people and wanting to work as a team and keep people on task. And I'm curious. I'm naturally curious. And so I will learn what I need to learn. And it hit me. Okay, this is why they hired me. I feel good. I know my place. I know what's expected of me. I can do this. Even with that realization, the insecurity is deep. Even with me saying, I finally figured it out, I still am not fully convinced of why I'm here. It is annoying. And I think about how many people out there have this insecurity that they don't call it by its name. How many people overcompensate and lean only into the things that they know that they're going to kill and not take on new challenges because their confidence is fragile. I'm here to say, lean into it. We don't get many opportunities to do new things, to try new things, and to push ourselves to the limit. But I am so excited that for the first time in many years, I have put myself in a position where I'm not going to go in and try to show up the next person. I'm going to go in and learn. It is such an incredible feeling to kind of humble myself to have that insecurity work for me instead of work against me. Because I've called it out. I've recognized it by its name and said, you're not the greatest, but you are contributing. Find out how you contribute. Lean into that and then let the other stuff come. Go learn what I need to learn. Dive in, ask questions. I've never been a person that asks questions to others because most of the time, I can honestly say, I don't know if I'm genuinely interested in the answer. And if I ask questions, it's because I desperately want to know the answer. But usually I'll just go find the answer instead of ask somebody else's opinion. And that is a terrible, terrible trait in a human. Everybody loves being asked questions because people like to have the opportunity to speak about themselves. Look at the podcast industry. We have so many podcasts out there where people are just sharing about their experiences and having conversations because they really want to have that shared experience with somebody else and see if they can relate or find ways to grow. But we love talking about ourselves. I should be asking questions because I know somebody else has something that they want to say. And so this position that I have put myself in of a learner instead of a doer has been amazing for my own self-growth, not just because I'm learning a whole new skill, a whole new industry, but because I'm learning more about people. And that is what truly fascinates me and truly intrigues me. It's helped me to be a better person for those around me because I'm genuinely more interested in who they are. And I want to ask the questions and give them the space to talk. And it's been such a really 
cool experience. And so I just say with this is, man, lean into the uncomfortable, ask the questions, make yourself do something that you're insecure about because you'll surprise yourself. You might not be the best at what you're doing, but you are going to develop something else inside of you that will really open your eyes and make you a better person for those around you. I think it is an incredible skill, an incredible technique, um, an incredible challenge to humble yourself um, and to go into something that is completely unknown and figure out what it is that you can bring to the industry, but then also what the industry or the unit or the people or the environment can give to you. And I'm just really blessed and fortunate that I have this opportunity where I get to grow because I felt scared and unsure, and I still took the risk. And I can't wait to see how it goes. I can't wait to see what comes from this. I hope you all really take chances. And I think in this time where the last two years have been completely different than everything we've ever experienced in this lifetime, that you are learning Different is not bad. Change is not bad. There's something you gain from each and every opportunity and moment that you seize. That's all I've got for you today, but it's just a little bit of insight. And I'm just so excited. Season two is kicking off and we are back and conversations are going to be had and ideas are going to be shared. And we're going to talk about how we live by our own lights and still keep it bright for others around us. So welcome back to By My Own Lights Season 2. It's going to be a good one. Hey, if you liked this episode, be sure to leave a comment or share it with a friend. We're still a very young podcast, so your support and encouragement doesn't go unnoticed. Be sure to subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find additional content on our YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash by my own lights or our website at by my own lights.com.